Turn with me, please, to 1 Corinthians 12. Next week, we are doing a child dedication, so we'll be covering something different and then coming back to uh, 1 Corinthians 12, but I want us to progress through this. We're doing a series called The Gifts in the Body. I've been astounded when I do research on this subject and been reading many books, many journal articles, different things that people have had to say, everything that the Word of God has to do pertaining to spiritual gifts, that this is either an issue that has gone over the top abused, or this is an issue that's been completely skirted under the rug in favor of greater things that the church should be doing. And as with anything, any doctrine that you ever deal with, any subject that would ever go on in the church, the pendulum should never be swinging in extreme fashion either way. There's always a point of balance in the Bible. Always. It's never full law. It's never full licentiousness. It's always an idea of liberty. That would be one example. And that is finding a biblical balance in between the two. It's the same way with gifts. And today what we're going to see is the Holy Spirit's role in these gifts and why it is important for us to get our minds corrected. Uh, I'm not here to beat you over the head. Please understand that. That's not my goal today. Maybe next week, but not today. Uh, you can have that to look forward to. Uh, but uh, today is just getting our thinking straight about some things that maybe we haven't looked at very much. And so uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go slow. Uh, let's do this first. Let's read through this entire passage. Let's go back and break it down. We're going to look specifically at verses 1 through 11. And we'll go back and, and break it apart. Chapter 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of ministries, and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects. But the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as He wills. We spent the past two Sundays looking at what Paul has said in 1 Corinthians, just some highlights, not everything, from chapters 1 unto chapter 11, because he is dealing with people that have been raised in a pagan environment. In fact, if you look at verse 1, now concerning spirituals, spiritual things, again, the italicized gifts shows you that it's not there. The question is, is he wants us to not be ignorant about spiritual matters. Now, this applies for us today. We are New Testament believers in Jesus Christ. We've been redeemed by the blood. We've been put into Christ. We have the indwelling Holy Spirit. We have an equal standing with the believers in Corinth. We're not any different. You say, well, they were a pretty wayward church. 
Let's have one of those sessions where we all confess our sins out loud from the past week. How's that going to go? That going to go well? I think we'd find that we might have some equal playing field with them. We might at least rub elbows in some way with them. But the fact is, is he doesn't want us to be ignorant about spiritual things. Notice that we don't need to be scared about spiritual things. We certainly need to be informed. And so from chapter 12, verse 1, if you want to maybe mark this or what this section is, from chapter 12, verse 1, all the way to chapter 14, verse 40, he's going to spend this entire section, and we're going to cover this entire section as the weeks go on, about not being ignorant about spiritual things, because the body of Christ is a spiritual entity. Let me give you a reason why. You've heard me say, I'm going to church. That's a very fleshly and physical way to look at it. It's a location or a destination of which we're looking to arrive. But when we say, I am the church, I am part of the church, I am the body of Christ, that's a spiritual declaration. Because you're not being defined, church, by a building. You're being defined by your relationship and association. How did you get in the body of Christ? If you are in Christ, you are the body of Christ. Spiritually, you have been put there. That's the difference in thinking here, okay? So he doesn't want us to be ignorant about spiritual things. And we have to look at the body of Christ spiritually or we miss it. And we miss it in major ways. In fact, all the ways that we would miss it is why Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, is in our Bibles. They were missing it because they were doing it in a flesh matter. Spiritual gifts have to be done in a spiritual matter. So he brings up to them, verse 2, You know that when you were pagans, pre-Christ, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. Now if you remember, we talked about being led captive. Now I know this isn't a popular opinion, but it's a biblical one. People who do not know Jesus are being led astray by Satan. Period. It's the works of the devil. He is the prince of the power of the air. He is the father of lies. The whole world being under the sway of the evil one. You say, well, that's not very kind. It's true. I tried to tell you kindly just now about it, right? But understand, there's no fence. There's no middle ground. We have to understand that we've got to see it like that. Pre-Christ, we had a certain way of thinking, a certain philosophy of living. Living? Can't run with the big dogs, you better stay on the porch. Maybe that was how we lived our lives, I don't know. But we had a certain viewpoint. And then Christ comes in, by his blood he reconciles us to the Father in a relationship we always should have had to begin with. And now he sets us off on a brand new way of thinking. We know this because we have a new life, we give it a new heart, we got a new resident within us, and we've been jettisoned into a brand new location, and we are debt free. Now we really like the debt free part at the end, right? We're all Dave Ramsey about that one. But we love the debt-free part. But the fact is, is we've been put in this brand new life. It's a brand new setup. And because of that, we've got to get some brand new thinking patterns. Just because my standing in Christ is perfect, doesn't mean that my state is always going to be. My behavior and thinking is going to lack the truth that is true about me. And so that's where sanctification comes in and the Holy Spirit begins teaching me. And I need to be engrossed in the Word of God so it begins renewing and washing my mind. Too much Metallica in there. I've got to get it out, okay? Moving on. Some of you guys are like, I don't know who that is. That's fine. Verse 3. Therefore, 
I make known to you. Now this is interesting. Probably this had happened. No one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed. Now, there's probably all kinds of influence that was going on. The Bible tells us time and time again, when you're dealing with idols in the Bible, and he just brought that up in verse 2, you're dealing with demons behind them, period. Over and over again. It's not just that they came up with something and made it. It has been spiritually influenced for the negative. Satan has got many ways that he wants to work. Chances are, because tongues was the hot thing to do in Corinth, and because all of the pagan mystery religions, we looked at the Eleusian mystery religion, we looked at the Sibylle uh, mystery religion, the Sibylle cult, we also looked at the cult of Dionysus. And what was interesting about them is that all of them had one common denominator, ecstatic speech that seemed to be uncontrollable. And when it happened in a worship session, you have talked with the gods. Now, you grow up in that for 20, 30, 40 years. You come to faith in Christ, you try to separate yourself from those things, but you're recognizing that something similar is going on in the body of Christ of a spiritual gift that's being exercised. You don't know what to make of it, but in order to be spiritual, in order to have a works-based mentality of your former life, you've been taught, well, if I want to be accepted and look like I've got it going on right, I better be responding like this. And start, you start reciting the phone book backwards in order to sound good, Right? I mean, let's be honest. How many times have you ever been in on a service where there's tongue speaking that's going on where you actually have an interpreter that is giving you an interpretation that is completely gelling with what the Word of God has already been revealed? You rarely ever find it. Ever find it. Doesn't matter where you go. And you always find that there are many violations of how the body of Christ has been structured in order to make this happen because the sensation and the experience of the event is supposed to validate spirituality. It doesn't. It validates immaturity or ignorance. And we've got to get corrected on this. Now understand this. That doesn't make anybody who speaks in tongues less of a brother or sister in Christ. But it shows a lack of understanding what Paul is clearly lined out here. And from some of my conversations with some of you, we need to have this information as well. So that's why we're going through verse by verse in these three chapters. So beforehand, they might have had a situation that would say Jesus is accursed. Guess what? That's demon talk. That's not Holy Spirit talk. And the Holy Spirit is not a demon. A demon is a created, unseen being. The Holy Spirit is... Thank you! Yes! He's very much God. He is not the red-headed stepchild of the Trinity. He's a, I was a red-headed child. Okay? He's very much God. Just as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Don't leave the Spirit out in the cold. Notice how it brings it around to what it is acceptable. And no one can say Jesus is his Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Here's why this indicator is important. If someone is serving in the Spirit in the body of Christ, it's because the Lord Jesus is the focal point of all of their work of all of their giving of themselves and their sacrifice. Have you ever encountered the brother or sister who just can't wait to let you know the hardships that they're suffering for Jesus? I mean, the spotlight is really not on the resurrected Lord of glory. It is really on the martyr that they've become. Here's where I'm suffering. Well, you don't know what I had to deal with, right? 
And what becomes the focus of that? Them. Jesus is not glorified. That's not spiritual. It's all flesh. And that's why there's nothing really happening there. And that's why that person is so frustrated and irritable. Because everything they've been doing, that's where complaining comes from. It comes from trying to live Jesus' life in our flesh. Thanks for saving me, Jesus. I got it from here. I know how to take care of this. We did this before at a church I was at previously. That's scary. Jesus might have told you to do that at the previous church. Did Jesus lead you in that direction now? What does that mean? It means we have to call a spiritual time out, back up, pray, submit ourselves to the Word of God, and ask for the Spirit to lead us. Totally different mindset. Now let's not be, let's not be scared of the experience that the Lord desires for us to have with the Holy Spirit. We need to be sensitive to that, but we check it all by the Word of God. All of it by the Word of God. To serve spiritually, Jesus Christ has got to be the focus. He is the goal. There is no other goal. That's the first indicator of somebody is serving spiritually. Is Jesus Christ the ultimate goal? Or is Jesus Christ just kind of like a, a, a pseudo-Halloween costume and they're really peering up over the cross looking over going, see me, see me, see me. Look at what I'm doing. Praise me. What does Jesus tell us about instances like that? I tell you the truth. They have their reward. When you serve the Father, do it in secret. When you pray to the Father, do it in secret. When you give, do it in secret. Why? Because your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Doesn't matter what other people think. Serving spiritually is never about recognition. Never. And when it becomes about recognition, it ceases to be spiritual. We have to recognize that. Number one fact, if somebody is serving by the Holy Spirit, Jesus is Lord is the cry of their lips. It's the cry of their heart that's coming out. Verse 4. Now watch this. He gives you a set of threes. He gives you two sets of threes. I want you to see it. In fact, I was hoping I had this all marked up. I love to do this. I love to print the scripture out on here. I ran out of room to mark in my Bible. I had to find somewhere else to write stuff down. Um, but I was hoping if you ever get a chance, take 1 through 11 and put it out landscape-wise on a piece of paper and work through the text with a pen. Go over it and over it and over it. You'll be amazed at what you find. There are three things that happen here. Look at verse 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Varieties. It's the idea of allotments. It's the idea that there's a big, uh, there's a big pile. Uh, maybe we'll say, I don't know, Santa's bag of toys. Okay? Because that's not pagan origin at all. Anyway, and pulling out of that, and you're kind of distributing from the same bag to everyone, of which they could use that for a reason. So there are varieties of gifts, gifts, charismata. That's where we get the charisma, or it all comes from the Greek word. The base word is charis, which is where we get the word grace. Grace, gifts, come from this. One person defined it this way. It is favor that is bestowed by God without any merit. In other words, God just gives this to you because he's a gracious God. He's a giving God. We don't deserve anything that we're getting, but this is part of what he gives us. So you have a variety of gifts, but the same what? Okay, notice, gifts, there's our number one. Spirit, there's your A. If you ever want to mark it, you could do it like that. Gifts, number one, spirit, A. Look at the next one, verse five. And there are varieties of ministries. Now this comes from the Greek word that is the same idea of serving to be in a ministry. There are various ways that we could serve. Just as there are various gifts, word of knowledge, discernment of spirit, prophecy, 
uh, helps, administration and leading, all those things. Just as you have those, you also have different ministries. Ministry to women is important. Ministry to the poor is important. Children's ministry. If you're a parent in here right now and you don't have a child that is tugging on you and wrestling you and grappling you to the ground like a cage fighter, thank God for nursery. Thank God for children's ministry. Yes? Anybody got grappling kids? Yeah, UFC material right there. You know, no, and you're like, praise Jesus for the children's ministry. I can actually be in peace and listen to the word of God. Absolutely. That's important. Ministry to the elderly. Ministry to shut-ins. Very important. Prayer ministry for people. There's a variety of ministries. But even though the church may minister in diverse ways, what does it say after that? And the same what? Lord, from the context that you saw, who's the Lord? Who's the Lord? Jesus, right? Starts with a G, ends with a sus. Exactly. Jesus. How do we know that? Verse 3. Because no one says that Jesus is Lord unless they're doing spiritual work by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the Lord. So notice, A, you have gifts. You're one. You have the Spirit. The next one, verse 5. B, you have different ministries or service. Notice, two, you have the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody see that? Now look at this next one here. There are varieties of effects. Now effects is going to be your C here. What in the world does effects mean? Like special effects? Like we talking about Lucasfilm Star Wars stuff? Is that what's going on here? Anybody got a different translation besides effects? What's it say? Activities? Operations? Workings? In other words, there might be various ways that people are seeking to get these ministries done. Not everybody ministers in the same way. Does everybody see the diversity and variety? Gifts, plural, right? Services, plural. Service, plural idea. There are many different services, many different things, many different operations. There's many different ways about going to do it. As long as it's not violating the Scripture, does it matter? No, it doesn't. What matters is that we're involved in serving. So notice there might be many different ways you go about working this, but look at what your number three is. There are a variety of effects, but the same who? God. Everybody see Spirit, Lord, God? Notice what it's getting at. Notice what Paul's trying to communicate. There's one God. And even though one God has manifested himself in three persons, but he's one in essence, so there are many different things for us to do. Many gifts for us to utilize in a working manner in the diverse ministries that we've been given to the body of Christ. That sounds like a really good thing. What's the point that he's trying to push? It all comes from one source. It all gives glory to one source. But there might be a myriad of different ways that it's going to express itself within the local body of believers. There's nothing wrong with that. People have said it this way. God did not call us to uniformity. We don't all have to have the black pants, white shirt, black tie, and name tag telling everybody who we are. We don't have to. Anybody get that one? Some of, Okay, it just wasn't funny. Great, moving on. You don't have to be uniform in that way. But what it is telling us is that there is a divine unity that takes place regardless if there's a diverse expression. Everybody got that? Yes? Okay. So now we look at verse 7. Here's the clincher. But to each one is given, now watch this, the manifestation of the Spirit. That's not the Holy Spirit. Forgive me. That's not the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit. It's not the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. 
He's not just saying every believer in Christ has the Holy Spirit. He's saying that every believer in Christ, because every believer has a gift, has the opportunity for the Spirit to manifest something, manifest power in their lives. Does that scare you? Does that seem odd? Does that seem strange to know that God desires to express Himself in some way through you? Let me ask you this. If the Holy Spirit isn't expressing Himself through us, what else are we doing that's pleasing to Him? Answer that. What's the, what's the answer to that? Nothing. Thank you to whoever said it. Anything that is done for God apart from His Spirit is worthless. At the judgment seat of Christ, it will be wood, hay, and stubble. It doesn't amount to anything. Are you saying that I have nothing good to bring to God? Yes! You didn't pre-Christ, and you don't post-Christ unless it was given to you to bring. How do we know this? Think about the priesthood of the believer real quick. We're all royal priests. Were the, were the, were the, the priests ever like, well, I got this calf laying around here. I think this is what we're going to use. No, the sacrifice was always supplied for them to sacrifice. Whatever was supposed to be brought was given by another so that it could be laid down before the Lord. It's the blood of another. It's the sacrifice of another. It costs somebody else something else to put it into our hands to operate in that way. It's not any different with serving the Lord. And the scariest thing I can think of is going through our entire life as part of the body of Christ, doing good things for people. And they were never God things for people. It was never God's way. It was never God's will. One of the most dangerous things you can ever do. Hey, what do you guys think we should do for this? Don't do that. Don't. Stop yourself. Back up. Set yourself a time period. Let's search God's Word and let's be prayerful. And let's lay this before Him and say, God, what do you want us to do? How much fruit do you think will come through a submissiveness like that? I can't think of anything more futile. Just spinning our wheels. Then yeah, we're busy. Busyness is an amazing tool of the devil. He loves to use it on me a lot. I think he's dulled his blade on me lately. But is it what God wants done? That's a difference maker. The amazing thing about being in the body of Christ is we've done nothing to deserve the Spirit, and yet God seeks to manifest His Spirit through us. You know what that says? He wants all of us to have power. Spiritual power. You're getting weird on me. Don't think that. Have you ever been in a situation where you've had the wide open door to talk to somebody about the gospel and all this stuff started coming out of your mouth and afterwards you step back and you're like, where in the world did all that come from? It came from the Spirit. Because the Spirit could say it way better than I could. The Spirit desires to manifest that type of power, not just in our speaking with others, but in our serving with others. Now here's an amazing thing, and it corrects us from wrong thinking. Look what it says. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Never for self-exaltation. 
It is always the work of the Spirit that matters before God. Which means, take a look around. Look around real quick. Look around. We do this every once in a while. Look around. Yeah, smiling faces. You got to smile now because people looking at you. Right? Your brother and sister in Christ is actually here to benefit you. Now, you will be a benefit to the person that was smiling at you from across the room if you are desiring to walk in the Spirit. If not, you're going to be a pain. And so am I. Because anything that I'm seeking to do that is not spiritual is running against the grain of everything that Christ desires to do here at Grace Bible Church. Everything. So it's got to be done in the Spirit. And whatever way that the Spirit desires to manifest Himself in my use of spiritual gifts is going to be something that benefits you greatly. Raise your hand if you've been blessed by somebody in the body of Christ. Notice that's not hard to determine. Some of you didn't raise your hand. I'm worried about you. Come talk with me afterwards. We'll find somebody to bless you, right? Uh, And I don't mean like you're blessed, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like, wow, that came out of nowhere. That was just what I needed at the right time. I was struggling this week. We were staying home because we had a COVID situation, you know, and I'm I'm kind of down in the basement in my little work area kind of thing, and I'm just, it's, I appreciate it. But man, it's just the worst going on mentally of trying to get things done. I'm struggling with a lot of things with the Lord. Going through, and man, just had an amazing time. Woke up at 4 a.m. this morning unexpectedly. Uh, That's another conversation. But anyway, had an opportunity to spend time with the Lord and just the things He started ministering to my heart through His Word. Good night. I thought, why in the world would I want to sleep when this is sitting here waiting for me? Getting blessed. You ever had that person that says that timely word that you needed at just that moment that sent you in a direction of, oh my gosh, I kind of lost sight of things. And they've almost refreshed you. They've reinvigorated you for the things of the Lord. That's probably somebody has a spiritual gift of encouragement speaking into your life to build you up. That is the Spirit manifesting Himself so that the Spirit in you is encouraged and excited. There's nothing wrong with that. But notice it's done through one anothering. It's for the common good. It's never for self. When it becomes about self, it becomes about the flesh. And the Spirit is not in that. It has to be for the common good. Now here's another thing that's interesting about that before we move on. If it's done of the Spirit, do you realize that there will not be a contradiction in it? Hurt is not involved. Isn't that interesting? If God is perfectly consistent with Himself, everything that's true about the Holy Spirit is true about the Father, is true about the Son, then you're going to find that your ministries are not going to experience those types of frictions with your brothers and sisters in Christ because everything that's been done in concert as the body of Christ is done for the common good and the building up of the body. The Holy Spirit does not come to the table trying to figure out how He can checkmate Himself. I have the same Holy Spirit as Chuck has the Holy Spirit as even Jay has the Holy Spirit. We all have the exact same Holy Spirit. There's no difference. So these things being done spiritually actually find this celestial harmony that comes to them that we can't explain it. But one thing we know from the Word of God is the fact that it's right. Because it's for the common good of the body. Never for self. Pride has no place there. Sin has no place there. Anything that would be of the flesh has no place there. Now, look how this moves forward. Verse 8, he's going to give us some examples of what this looks like. Now, here's the thing. 
Paul does not supply an exhaustive gift, uh, list of spiritual gifts here. And in two weeks, we're going to go back and we're going to start with uh, the word of wisdom, uh, which is the first one listed there in verse 8, okay? But what he does is he runs them off because he's trying to give you an example. None of the gifts that he brings up here match any of the gifts that are going on in Romans chapter 12 that we've already covered, those five gifts. So this is a whole separate list of some things that were going on in the body of Christ at that time. So let's get an example of what it looks like for the Spirit to manifest himself in the life, himself, in the life of the believer and for it to be for the common good. It all comes from one place, yet it can be expressed in many different ways. Look what he says here. For, here's your explanation, to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. Notice, to one, to, to a believer or some believers, they might have the word of wisdom. That's a spiritual gift that you have to exercise within the body of Christ for the common good. But here's one thing that you know, it came from the exact same Spirit as anybody would have any other varied gift. He says, and to another, another believer, the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. And to another, faith by the same Spirit. Everybody see the pattern here. And to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And to another, the effecting of miracles. And to another, prophecy. And to another, the distinguishing of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, but, now watch this. But, one and the same Spirit, here it is, works. All these things distributing to each one individually just as he wills. That's an incredible summary statement. Let's take a moment. Let's break it down. Regardless of the way that the Spirit seeks to manifest himself in the spiritual gifts that are listed, it all comes from the same source. And what's amazing about that is even though it's one and the same Spirit, what's the next word it says after there? But one and the same Spirit what? Works. It's all the Spirit in us that is doing all the working. It's not us saying, well, Spirit, you meet me like 25, I got the 75, let's shake hands and, and get to work for Jesus. That's not how it works. We actually find that spiritual ministry is very much a minds-off ministry. Does that mean you shut off your mind? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying all the things that we usually think we ought to do in order to get this task accomplished is kind of null and void on the table because the Spirit is the one doing the leading. The Spirit's the one who provides the plan. The Word of God, breathed by the Spirit, is the one who's giving us the directive. It's not about us conjuring and coming up with all these amazing things. And we put ourselves under such immense pressure and burn out quickly that we feel like we have to be the point person and the answer man on every ministry situation. It does not work that way. The body of Christ has to work together in this, and it has to be the work of the Spirit. Let me give you an example of this. If you will, look back up at what you saw in verse 6. There are varieties of effects, of operations, of workings, different ways to work it, but the same God who works all things in all persons. Everybody see that? The same God works all things in all people. Doesn't matter what ministry or working you're doing, God is doing the work. Doesn't matter what spiritual gift you're exercising, the Spirit is the one who is working it through you. Now, do we have time? We have time. Let's do this. Let's turn. Turn with me over to Philippians 2 real quick. Let me give you a couple of examples of this. Philippians 2. Just over to the right, a few pages. 
Philippians chapter 2. And I want you to look at verses 12 and 13. Paul is writing to a church of believers. So this is a letter that would have been read out for the edification and correction of everybody involved. Philippi was a pretty awesome church. Even when they didn't have any money, they were still giving money uh, to Paul. They very much had uh, probably a predominant gift of the gift of giving amongst the people there. And they were very much supplying for Paul's missionary needs. Here's something interesting he says. Chapter 2, look at verse 12. So then, my beloved... Just as you have always obeyed. So notice we're talking about obeying what the Lord has said. He calls them beloved, so they're already believers in Christ. Look what he says. Not as in my existence, though he can't physically be with them. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, do not make the common evangelical mistake that the word salvation here means go to heaven when you die. He is talking to already believing folk. And so if that is the case... They are to be working out, notice the works language, their salvation, their deliverance, their rescue from ongoing sin in their life. Or we would say more specifically, their sanctification, their growth in Christ. Work that out with fear and trembling. Why with fear and trembling? Why is that? Look at the next verse. For, here's the explanation, it is God who is at work in who? what you me why should i fear and tremble about working out my salvation for it is god who is at work in you notice this both to will and to work for his good pleasure does everybody see that the goal is god's good pleasure everybody see that everybody see that god is intricately and intimately ingrained in the believer to lead them in spiritual serving, not fleshly. He is the one who gives us the will to serve Him. I know that may sound weird, but apart from Him, we would not desire spiritual things. We would not desire to glorify Him. We've already got somebody that we're always on the market looking to glorify, and that's me, and that's you. To make much of ourselves. Notice, it's got to be a supernatural work and God getting His hand involved. Why? Because He gives us the will to do that. And not only that, He also gives us the work. What's going to be the most pleasing thing? This shouldn't be surprising. Ephesians 2.10, we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, that He prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Why should we fear and tremble at this? Think about it real quick. Put it all together. I can't think of anything more insane, and I make this mistake all the time. I'm not like above anybody. I can't think of anything more insane than saying, you know what, I know what Philippians 2.13 says, that it's God who gives the will and the work for His good pleasure, and yet I still want to do my own thing. What am I saying to God? Your way's not right. My way's better. I got a better plan. I got a better direction. I got a better ministry. Oh, I, I, I really want that. God, I don't want that gift you gave me. I want this gift. I like her gift. I want that gift. Don't we do that sometimes? Wow, she's so awesome in the way that she was able to do that. I wish I had that gift. You don't. It's okay. We're going to see that in a second. It's God who wills on us, and it's God who works in us because it's what brings Him pleasure. The only thing that makes any sort of sense in the universe is to say, God, 
Anytime I try to take up arms against you of doing what I think I ought to be doing as part of the church needs to be laid bare. And I need to be humbled before you and say, Lord, use me, please. Thank you that you desire to use me. How amazing is it that your grace desires to use me for something that's going to make you smile? Do you realize that? When we listen to what God's will is telling us, and when we work with the power that God is supplying and exercise that spiritual gift, He smiles. I don't know anybody that's got good pleasure that's frowning. Right? It actually pleases God. Why would we not want to do it spiritually? How about this? Turn back one book to Ephesians 1. And I know I don't have verse 17 up there, but I want to look at 17 to start. There's a couple of instances in Ephesians where Paul kind of stops what he's explaining to them and he prays for application for them that they would understand what he's saying. And look what he says in chapter 1 of Ephesians verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of God. Growing in the knowledge of God and how that will benefit me and applying it to my life. Now look at verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of His calling, which is out ahead, uh, serving with the end in mind is the idea here. What are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? That's a whole other subject, but God actually considers us His inheritance. I think he got gypped on that one. He loves it. He thinks it's great. But look at verse 19. And what is the surpassing greatness of his what? Pay attention. Paul wants us to grow in the knowledge and wisdom of God so that we will understand the surpassing greatness of God's power toward us who believe. If you're here today and you are a believer, God has unfathomable power that He desires for you to understand more, that He desires to exercise towards you, that He wants to manifest in your life. Look what it says. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of His might. Notice, the power that God desires to work in our life is a power that He's already demonstrated in some way. What way is that? Look at verse 20. Which He brought about in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. Good grief, hold the phone. Does everybody recognize what he has just said? The power that God desires to exercise in you and me by his spirit is the exact power that he exercised when he not just raised Jesus bodily from the dead. It's not just resurrection power, it's also ascension power. That's his power towards us. That's his power that sits available toward you and me. How do I plug into this power? You don't roll on the the floor for hours on end. You don't cower in the corner. You don't have to stress yourself out and starve yourself to death. It's not about us earning. It's about us knowing the Word of God and trusting. Do you believe that the Holy Spirit resides in you? I've always believed that since a child. Do you believe that He wants to manifest Himself through you as an agent of, of God and a beloved child of His so that you will be doing something in the body that will benefit the body, build up the body for the common good so that He receives all the glory because He is the goal and focus. Do we really believe that? A lot of times we subscribe to that. 
But we sit here and we wonder in our Christian life, why am I lacking such power? I find when I'm lacking power in my life, it's because I've lost sight that it's not my power I'm looking for. It's not about increasing my power. We've very much got to take a John the Baptist approach. I must decrease. Why? So that he can increase. My problem I've often found is I'm so full of myself, Jesus doesn't have anything to work with. He's like, there's no room here. Good grief. I've made it really hard for him. So what needs to happen? Tell you what, 1 John 1, 9, all the way to the cows come home. If I'm lacking power, it's because I'm not looking at it biblically. He wants to give it to me. He doesn't even give me, well, I need to imagine or guess what it is. No, he's told me the same power I use to raise Christ's lifeless body. It's that power. And not only that power that brought him back to the surface, so to speak, in that way, but also when I seated him at the right hand of God, that's the power I want you to have. It's not just here, it's here. Everybody see that? That's the power he desires for us to have. Why? Because it's God who works in us, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Back to 1 Corinthians 12, but to each, uh, 12, verse 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. And we understand that to be spiritual gifts because what is it in 8 through 10? For the common good. Verse 11. But one and the same Spirit works all these things. What these things? 8, 9, and 10. All of these spiritual gifts need to be worked by the power of the Spirit. The self needs to stay dead. And allow for the Spirit. Get out of God's way and let God do it. Notice, He works all these things. Now here it is. Distributing to each one individually just as He wills. In other words, the Spirit of God is not just the power behind every spiritual gift. He is also the determiner of every spiritual gift. If you're a believer in Christ, you have a spiritual gift. You cannot exchange it in. This is not like Walmart's return desk. Well, I really don't want the gift of helps. I was hoping for the spirit of wisdom. I was hoping for that. You can't do that. In fact, I can't think of anything more dangerous than exchanging the gift that the Spirit sought to give me for the one that I wanted. Because I don't know about you, the one that I wanted is not for the common good of everybody. The one that I wanted is for me. What was the problem in Corinth? Tongues! Listen to me. Listen to how spiritual I am. Listen to how I've actually touched the realm of the gods. And listen to how I'm going to recite all of this stuff. Me, 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 me. What eternal benefit is this? Nothing. What was their mistake? I'm trying to take pagan ideology and marry it to divine truth. And I'm finding I'm coming up empty. Why? Because it's devoid of the Holy Spirit. It's got to be done God's way. Now here's another point to look at. Notice that the Holy Spirit is sovereign in how He desires to give gifts. The Holy Spirit decides which one I get and which one you get. You guys saw me in sophomore year of drama class. Okay? Class of high school. Class 95. Right here, right? And I had to get up and give some sort of monologue. Oh my gosh, embarrassing. I hated being in front of people. Hated it. Couldn't stand it. Sweating all over. You're like, you're sweating now. Different kind of sweat. Right? Seriously, I wanted nothing to do with being in front of people. When God got a hold of my life, and flipped my heart upside down, He said, you've got to get in front of people and you've got to tell people about Christ. 
You've got to give them the full counsel of God's word, period. Had I had chosen differently, I would have been doing something much more different and something much more flesh gratifying. But I tell you what, when you're operating your spiritual gift, when you find out what your spiritual gift is and you're operating it according to the spirit, you cannot put a price on how satisfied in the Lord that you are because it's him satisfying because it's his work through us graciously used for his glory and good pleasure. His son is being made much of. Not because we got to work and did it, but because we recognize what the word said about it being his power and we submitted. What a drastically different avenue of thinking. Here's what I'm going to ask us to do. I want us to take about five minutes. I'm not a fan of long prayers. The only person I can see pray a long time is Jesus. I'm not him. It's okay. But I think it's important for us to maybe think about some of the things we've looked at today. Some of the things that we've seen. Maybe you've been trying to serve the Lord. I just want to get involved and I just want to serve. I just want to do something for the Lord. And we're so antsy about getting on with it that we stopped and asked, what exactly does God want us to do? Maybe we've had people that have been sent by God to speak into our lives to lead us in certain directions. And we've kind of cast it, you don't tell me what to do kind of thing. I'll do this. and This is what I want to do. Kind of. Recognize where self has dominated. And let's take a moment and just have a very sober, somber, peaceful time. Nobody needs to be looking around. It's nobody else's business. But even in this room, let's take a moment to get alone with God and give a very dangerous prayer to Him. And ask the question, Lord, in light of what I've heard today and what I now know, how should I be different? Where have I been burning myself out in the flesh? And where do I need to be rejuvenated and thrust forward by your spirit? That's the only work that matters. Let's take a moment. Let's pray, please. Father, from what we've seen today, your desire is to use every single person in this room who is a believer in Jesus Christ. You already have something set for every one of us to do. But it can only be done in your power, with your strength. As we seek to be submissive to you, you alone make the difference between flesh and spirit, between death and life. Lord, if we need to serve you humbly, convict our hearts. If we are just so busy, we've just been running amok one thing to another, filling our lives with as much stuff as we can without being too discerning about it. Father, slow us down. Teach our hearts. Thank you that you are patient with us. Thank you that you are a loving Father who guides us, takes the time, bring us into a situation where we can be taught that your word can sing of your excellent glories to our heart and that you have given us Christ as the ultimate goal. He is the head of the church. Father, maybe we think that this whole 
subject is a little bit out of our realm. I pray, Lord, guard us from fear that the enemy would try to put in our hearts or unbelief, doubting. That's not from you. We've not been given a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. Maybe we're unsure about what our spiritual gift is. Lord, give us patience, please, that in the coming weeks we would be able to more properly discern that. Father, maybe we just feel at a loss this morning how important it is to sit down and have a time of prayer with you. Father, I pray that we are all seeking to be willing vessels to manifest the Spirit for the common good of our brothers and sisters and help us to realize the value of what it is to be part of the local body of Christ. That's where you desire to work. So we thank you, Lord. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for even bringing the gospel our way to bring us into this much more salvation, this much more that you desire for our lives. Father, I pray that you are pleased by what we do because we're paying attention to how you will us and how you work us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.